Welcome to Take 10, a 10-minute podcast series by the Great Lakes MHTTC that focuses on self-care and personal well-being. Your host is Mark Sanders, and thank you for joining us today. Today, we'll continue our discussion on burnout prevention. I would like to begin with a story. A number of years ago, a well-known addictions treatment program was putting a facility in the neighborhood where I live, and the neighbors were livid. They were saying things like in a town hall meeting, we don't want those people in our neighborhood. Those people are going to make the neighborhood worse. Those people are going to steal. And the executive director of the program said, I don't like what you're calling our clients. And they said, what's that? He said, those people. What do you call them? Heroes in recovery. You know, what I've learned over the years is that heavy drug use is often a response to trauma. Like we've learned that during COVID-19, drug use is increasing, relapses are increasing, and drug overdoses are increasing, that many people see their drug use as a coping mechanism. Therefore, anyone who's willing to give up such a coping mechanism can be viewed as a hero. And guess what? Those of you, the counselors, case managers, therapists, who help to facilitate recovery, I see you as a hero as well. I'll redefine burnout as we discussed in our first session, the response to chronic stress. Its symptoms include emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and reduced personal accomplishment, which can occur, which can occur amongst people who help others. Today, we'll focus on those factors that contribute to burnout, and we'll discuss those factors on the organizational and individual levels. We shall begin with the organization. Years ago, I gave a speech in a town called Toledo, Ohio. And if you were with me when I gave that speech, and looked at the facial expression on the people in the room, you would have thought that something bad happened. Maybe somebody died. They looked so depressed. It took me uh, 15 minutes into the presentation to realize that I was speaking to the most chronically burned out group of workers I'd ever seen in my life. The catch is the program had only been in existence for six months. Question, how can you be a program in existence for just six months and the entire staff is burned out? I know you're thinking they were overworked, too many clients, poor management. Let me make it interesting to you. This was a juvenile detention center built from the ground up. Beautiful building. And uh, before they admitted the juveniles, the inspectors came in. The water inspectors, the fire inspectors, and found out the building was in violation of water and fire code. They hired staff to work all three shifts, but they could not admit the juveniles because of the code violations. With no clients to work with, they spent all of their time talking about each other. One woman said, Mark, around here, we always walk in threes. Because if ever you notice that two people walking side by side, you know they're talking about a third. Uh, gossip is a leading cause of burnout. So I called my brother once I got that revelation that gossip was a leading cause of burnout. And he and I made a pact and agreement that we wouldn't gossip for six months. We shook hands on the deal. He called me six days later and said, man, I haven't said anything bad about anybody in six days. I'm shaking like a leaf. We quickly discovered that gossip is like a drug, right? You experience withdrawal when you stop. The leading causes of burnout include gossip, backbiting, backstabbing, and toxic organizational dynamics. Another factor contributing to burnout is what we call unhealthy boundaries, and we tend to learn our boundaries in our families of origin. So some of us come from boundaries where the families where the boundaries are loose, where everyone is doing their own thing, and no one is aware of what's happening with, the, with, with anyone else within the family. And some of us come from families where the boundaries are kind of enmeshed, where they're too close, they're too involved in each other's lives. 
You can always tell when a family has enmeshed boundaries because you ask one member of the family a question, someone else will answer for them. You ask them what they're thinking, someone will tell them what they're thinking. They finish sentences for each other. They talk over each other. You've seen families like that. Here's the problem. There are also organizations, social service organizations that have loose boundaries where everyone is doing their own thing. That facilitates burnout because we need support. And then we have uh, some organizations where the boundaries are enmeshed, where they're too close. And you can always tell when that occurs. Coworkers call each other and talk all weekend. They call each other in the evening and talk all evening. They even call each other on their vacations. If you're constantly working and can't get any space from the organization because of enmeshed boundaries, that sets you up for burnout. So the goal is for organizations to have healthier boundaries, as, burn, as a form of burnout prevention, you can always tell when that occurs because those boundaries are clear. There's room for individualization. individualization. People are not talking over each other. They're not finishing sentences for each other. They are supportive of each other. In short, they're free to communicate who they are, their wants, their desires, and their needs. One thing that helps with that, I mentioned it in our previous presentation, is team building retreats where you get practice at planning how to communicate with each other and support each other in a healthier manner. Other factors organizationally contributing to burnout includes too little support from coworkers, um, too much or too little supervision. You know, too little supervision uh, contributes to burnout because we need support from our supervisor. Too much is called micromanagement, which is stressful. Too small a caseload contributes to burnout. An idle mind, as my grandmother said, is like the devil's workshop that provides plenty of time for gossip if you don't have enough clients to work with. Too large a caseload can lead to depersonalization when you start detaching from the humanity of the clients that you're working with. A lack of creativity on the individual level contributes to burnout. Again, the author who wrote the book, The Artist's Way, said the opposite of creativity is depression. Then she changes it, no. The opposite of creativity is death. It's like when we're uh, not creating, it's like we're dying inside. So here's my recommendation. If creativity is a protective factor against burnout, then why don't you consider starting a new group, a new way of working with families? How about like changing your daily routine? Those activities that you used to do in the afternoon, do them in the morning and vice versa. Maybe you teach an art class, creativity helps. Tension in work relationships on the individual level is a contributing factor to burnout. As a matter of fact, the protective factor is having a best friend at work. An inability to acknowledge personal limits and rescue families like your belief that you can save the world is a contributing factor to burnout. You see, the first half of this can take care of itself. Uh, the inability to acknowledge, to acknowledge personal limits because the more you do this work, the more you come to learn what your limits are, rescue families. I remember as if it were yesterday. When I first became a drug counselor, I had a caseload of 20 clients, but in my mind, I thought the whole city of Chicago was my caseload. In my mind, my job was to get the whole city of Chicago. It's 2.3 million residents sober. And then it happened. In March of 1986, I had a conversation with my father led by me. I said, dad, let's talk. Now, what's critical is that I had never said before, Dad, let's talk. He always said, son, let's talk. I said, Dad, I loved you when you didn't use drugs, and I love you now. I wish you would quit. He said, okay. 
few months later, May 29, 1986, my father was found dead in the closet at work and he was smoking the drug of his choice, cocaine. There was my dad, there was the cocaine pipe. As much as I hurt, as much as I grieved, I was professionally free that day. You see, I had, was a social worker with an MSW when my father died. I was a certified alcohol and drug abuse counselor. I traveled the world giving speeches on addiction. I memorized the 12 steps frontwards, sideways, and backwards, especially the first one. We admitted we were powerless over cocaine and it made our life unmanageable. I never knew what that word powerless meant until my dad died. What it means is that you can do the best job in the world at helping someone recover and you have no power whatsoever over whether or not they recover. The best you can do is the best you can do. I was free that day because I no longer felt like I could save the world. Another factor contributing to burnout on the individual level is continuous stress. You see, you can handle the stress day one, but day 331, now you're overwhelmed. And feeling ineffective. So I want you to take a moment to think about how you define success in your work. You don't have to be successful, you have to feel successful. You see, I decided that the more my definition of success was based upon something that someone else does, the less control I have over feeling successful. For example, if my mindset was, I would be successful if 10 of my clients got jobs, or I would be successful if 10 of my clients with co-occurring disorders started taking their medication, or I would be successful if uh, 10 of my clients were able to stay sober. You see, I've learned that the more my definition of success is based upon what someone else does, I have so little control over that success. What I decided is that my definition of success is based upon goals that I set for myself, such as being the best counselor that I could be, learning new more learning new, new, new uh, ways of working with clients, learning a brand new evidence-based practice. How do you find success in your work? Because feeling successful is a protective factor against burnout. Thank you, enjoy your day. Take 10 Podcast is sponsored by the Great Lakes MHTTC through cooperative agreements with SAMHSA. The opinions expressed in this series are those of the speakers and do not represent the official position of SAMHSA or DHHS. Before you go, don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast series, and please follow us on social media for many more products and resources just like this.